Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Well, happy Thursday to you all. Welcome to the Jesus and Paula show. Still in January? (laughs) Feels like I don't know what month we're in in 2022. Sometimes we look around and it feels like we're halfway through the year already. And we're not. It is only January. Tell your friends the Jesus and Paula show is on. Dr. Price will be going in on the subject, whatever the subject is of the day, whatever God wants to say. It's it's rare. Why is this show now called the Jesus and Paula show? And, yes, we're going to redo the opener to say that. Why is it called the Jesus and Paula show? Because so few places does the Lord actually have a platform to speak freely through his agents, through his people. Too many people are afraid to really let God have his way and to say exactly what he is saying. We saw this with the election. We've seen this over the years leading up to that. Good prophecies, bad prophecies, a happy time gospel, doomsday word. And we have so in the body of Christ labeled, talk about people who hate labels, labeled with fear and intimidation to push back on the voice boxes of the Lord in people, meaning the apostles and prophets, that many of them really don't let God speak freely through them. They're talked out of it. They're pressured out of it. There is the proverbial backroom meeting where after, you ever notice, like when you go back and listen to a lot of these huge ministers right now, if you can dig up their old original sermons, they sound very different, many of them. A lot of them were very fiery, very tell it like it is, um, not cutting any corners, not, not, not changing the words so people feel good. And then all of a sudden, about the time that they got really huge, right before that, their message changed. And it became softer and more palatable to the soft palate and, uh, and, and just uh, more feel good. And then huge, 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 huge they got. Hey, everybody, thanks for tuning in to the Jesus and Paula show. I see you getting online. Share, share, share. Tag people in this. Tell them, hey, clear your schedule. Dr. Price will be on in, uh, in a few moments to tell us the word of the Lord concerning our lives, concerning his life and where he wants the kingdom to go. And so we're talking about right now people who started out one way and really were bought off, paid, to change their message, and with the payoff and the trade-off of being huge. Now that Dr. Price is in the political arena, uh, now that uh, we have other companies and organizations working for us and with us in exposure, you find out it's actually not magic. It's not somebody just, it's rare, I will say, that somebody just goes viral and goes huge without Somebody of influence or power or at the top pushing it out there. Even when something does go viral, if you trace it back, which is kind of hard to do uh, in many ways, 
there's somebody of influence, somebody else with a huge following that has shared it with their group that has made somebody go big. Either way you cut it, it is not this whole, uh, you know, God just breathed and his breath just sent it out there without the human element being involved. You know what I mean? Like we really think like the, just like the wind blows leaves across the parking lot, then for one minute you're in this piece of land and then you're over here. We really kind of think in our minds that's how God works. He breathes and boom, it was big, yes. He breathes and people react, angels react, people move money. People move resources. People offer their expertise. It, uh, it's not you, because see, if you wake up one day and you have a million dollars in the bank, you can't say heaven put it there, especially when your bank has never had that kind of transaction before. You're flagged. You're frozen. You're investigated. Where did this money come from? It's like if your, your bank account is used to having a certain amount of financial transactions, maybe in the thousands, maybe in tens of thousands, and you all of a sudden put in a check for several hundred thousand, they're going to put a hold on, your, on that transaction. Now, if it's coming from a suspicious source, they're going to freeze your whole account. Nothing is magic. You have to trace back everything where it comes from. And so in God, a lot of people over the years have sold out or watered down or muted, or diminished, or cherry-picked pieces of their message in order for it to be more palatable for the wider body of Christ, which has been dumbed down to a simple doctrine, in order for them to sell it and market it. We're a cerebral organization, we're a cerebral ministry, but you know what? Jesus was very heady. How do we know Jesus was heady? Because after his parables and he in the back room, they were like, what does that mean? Okay? We act like Jesus was not intelligent. We act like his parables and his teachings and trainings were not over their head to where they had to reach to understand it. Because we're talking about he just spit in somebody's eyes and then they could, you know, they could see again. And, and you know, and the guy, opened, oh, you know what, I'm not even trying to do that. But, you know, he, <laughs> really, too soon? I'm telling you, that's not even what I had in my mind in that moment. Truly. But he, he, he spit in the man's eye and then he opens his eyes and he's like, I see man looking like trees walking around. No, 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 he goes in and we got to do it again. Well, actually, he spit in the mud, and then he put it on his eyes. If we're gonna be, we're gonna be biblically, biblically accurate, because um, I mean, listen, how many of us really wish that something coming out of our body could heal somebody else? That's how you know. Come on, stay with me in here. That's how you know that Jesus is the embodiment of life, because everything that came out of him produced life. That coming out, coming out of us, there was a meme I saw or a picture or whatever. I mean, you know what these things are called now, and it was like. Um, what would Jesus say about the vaccine, you know, the jab about COVID and, and getting it? And one guy was like, the thing was, he said, you know, Jesus would say, mind your business. I'm like, are you kidding me? Jesus is like, come here. Boom, boom, boom. What does he care about some COVID? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I am healing. He healed lepers, people, with his own hands. He didn't stand across the room with some old silk scarf around his neck because they didn't have masks back then like that and say you stay over there i'm just going to send it he's like laying hands on the sick yeah. he was in part six feet say six feet please 
All right. And, and he was not, he, he wasn't. So we bring, we have brought this thing down to such a humanist doctrine and a humanist belief system that we really think our humanity can dictate the way the kingdom is run. How we feel. I watch these videos, uh, preachers and, and whatnot, and the one I was talking about was specifically about uh, how, how people in different ministries are handling this whole thing in Atlanta. And the, uh, the pastor on kept saying, well, we're just following the science. We're just following the science. You could tell they had a meeting. This is the phrase we're using. If anybody asks us, we're following the science. I'm like, I'm sorry. I thought you were supposed to be following Christ. Cool, and, and because they had the extreme, you know, I think this was the one that had the very extreme, you have to show your passport, your this, your that, you have to be all this in space, that we're just following the science, we're just following the science, we're trusting science, we're following the science. And I thought, wow, this is how we lost it. How do we lose a nation? We lose a nation by losing congregations. We don't have God at the center of his church anymore center of messages, center of anything else like that, universally speaking as a church. And so Jesus, he, when he laid hands on people, well, he laid hands on people. He laid hands on people, and they were healed. The strategy to lock the church down in the beginning of all of this was so tactful. You, can, you have to almost admire the mastery of the deception while at the same time being infuriated by the deception and that it actually worked because it's stupid. It's just stupid. And you can tell that we're not operating in the truth because when we see a lie, we weigh it. Well, let's just see, and I don't know, and looking around, well, what are they doing up the street? And I was on the phone with these pastors that I know and these leaders that I know. But we have had a lot of ministers punked into whitewashing and diminishing the word of the Lord, with the promise of growth. The promise, because, see, you don't end up on Daystar just because somebody likes you, unless somebody at the top does like you. You need to know somebody, connect with somebody. Dr. Price getting on all these platforms. That wasn't because somebody's like, hey, we like that lady over there on your word. She was vetted. She was investigated. They watched and studied and studied and studied. And then when reached out to through other parties involved, let's have her on. Let's see what she says. Let's see what she does. Being tested and proven. Doing the whole year of the apocalyptic elect. Who We couldn't even fathom the doors that that would open by taking a stand for what God said when it wasn't popular. You understand if it's popular, you're not really taking a stand. You don't have to stick to your guns. You don't have to swear to your hurt if nobody's hurting you. <laughs> if, if it feels good, then you're not. When your word is tested, is when you really believe, or when you find out what you believe. When you are tested in it, when you are tried in it. We stood next to this chief apostle from the time we were in college, twenty-two years ago. Hallelujah! And people talked about us like dogs on the campus. They talked about us in the cafeteria. They talked about us in the dorm. See, we can stand now because people have been talking about us in this. And people are not going anywhere today, not serving God, all right, not doing anything or not doing anything for the Lord. Some people are very successful for the devil. 
And so in the beginning, we were tried in this. Oh, you was at Dodge Price, you was uh, uh, so on and so forth, and our message. People who never came to our church talking about the message. How do you even know? Now, this is in the early 2000s, no social media. At that time, CDs were just coming out, so you really had to get tapes, holla, or actually be in the congregation, in the building. And I would ask people, well, have you ever heard any of our messages? Well, no. But you trust the source you're hearing. Word of mouth. Word of mouth can be a powerful thing, good or bad. And so the pressure to change on a message like this is from the beginning. From the beginning, you're going to have pressure to change. How many prophets apologized for the election? The man legally didn't win the election. He's not in there legally. And look at what is happening in the nation and in the world. So all those people who apologize now, you have to apologize for apologizing in about a hot minute. Well, um, well, I, I was right. See, God told me I was, and now with social media, everything is always there. <laughs> so you can't delete it, remove it, never rebroadcast it, and hope people forget. You're on a loop somewhere. It's viral somewhere. It's on platforms. People have downloaded, screenshot, screen record. Everything under the sun, it's never disappearing. But the pressure to change, the pressure to augment, the pressure to manipulate standards is from the beginning. Our training program, and we talk about it all the time, is stringent, and it is to groom our students to obey instructions to the letter of the law because that is the job. You want to know how you get a false or an errant prophet, or a false or errant apostle, because they were always changing things, always manipulating things, always trying to shift it to where it's comfortable for you. Got Jonah, come on. Well, Jonah, I think, is the best. Listen, we have more Jonas in the kingdom than a little bit. The Lord is like, your assignment is to go here and do this. And from the time you get that assignment, your mouth isn't stop running. Running, 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 grumbling, complaining. Now, while he's grumbling and planning, then I'm fine. I'll go, no, I'm, I'm going to go here instead of here. And see, people do this to God. He's given them instructions to go to the street called straight. <laughs> okay? Go to the street called straight. I'm going to tell you what to do. And they're like, straight? I want to go to the street called straight. I want to know now. I want to do whatever. This is where the glory is. This is where the glamour is over here. I'm going over here so that you, you're riding all the way over somewhere else that God hasn't told you, and you're getting everybody in trouble. And finally, you resist. You should really study Jonah. Are you a Jonah? Are you? How much of Jonah is in you? Because, listen, there's a piece of Jonah in everybody at some level and at some point. Are you a Jonah? We skip over. We want to be. I want to be the Daniel. I'm a Daniel prophet. I want to be. I want to be. I want to be. Are you every type Every type of saint and officer is represented in Scripture. The ones who did it right and the ones who blew it up. It's all in there. Proverbs talks about we have the Proverbs 31 woman. We have Proverbs 8, which is wisdom. And then we have the strange woman. We have the contentious wife and woman. See, all of the women are in that book. We act like it's just the ones we like. 
uh, scripture has the, the prophet to move literally mountains and threw down fire and all kinds of things for God. And then you have the ones who destroyed everything. We have Balaam. We have Jonah. Uh, we have Manasseh. My God, Manasseh. Woo! Study that guy. Scary. And everything in between. So don't act like biblical only means good. Because you could be a biblical devil. Because he's in there too. You acted like a straight biblical devil. You full of the biblical devil. <laughs> okay? Not the Hollywood one. The one in scripture has you. Yes, it does. Yes, he does. Okay? It's all in. It's all inside. It's all in there. Every type is in there. The pressure to fold is immense. Whenever you're taking a stand for God. And at this point, that's the job. Law enforcement officers are always officers against the lawless. <laughs> okay? If we didn't have lawless people, we wouldn't need law enforcers. So we as officers are God's law enforcers, which means there are law breakers in the kingdom of God. So if you don't have the backbone, and, and uh, Rachel, one of our prophets in training, her husband is a police officer, and when he was going through his training, he would talk about uh, the guys who hate conflict. Do you understand what job you're trying to – you're in training to become an officer of conflict, resolution one way or another. Either we're arresting you, we're tasing you, we're shooting you. Whatever option you give us, that's what we're going to go with. Or maybe we're just going to talk. Dr. Price's daughter, police officer, you should, I'm telling you, you need to talk to law enforcement officers. Don't watch that TV unless it's an actual really good show about it. Talk to the people doing the job. Because I'll tell you, whatever decision you give us is the one we're going to take. That's law enforcement. We are God's law enforcement officers, which means you firstly need to know God's law. So you can recognize when people are breaking it. You can have the most sweet-talking, kind, unassuming thief, oh my. abuser, killer, murderer. And if you don't recognize the signs, you'll just go off of the superficial personality and not know. See, a lot of people change what God has told them to do. Changing the assignment, changing the mandate, changing how they're going to do it, and adjusting it for what the people like, uh, what is comfortable with them. Well, I know God said this, but, you know, once I got there and realized where I was, we're not going to say I changed it. What are we going to say? I adjusted. You know, the phrase now is pivot. I pivoted when I was out there. I had to shift a few things in order to not do what God told me to do so I could take the least amount of fire, the least amount of backlash. You have a lot of people who want to hide behind, I mean, coming out and doing our broadcast. Man, when I went live as Apostle of the Future, do you know how many people on that page? Let me know. People, I don't know. Let me know. I wasn't of God, and I wasn't this, and I wasn't that, and you need to shut up, and you need to sit down, and God, uh, uh, all right, every now and again, people still pop in, usually later, not live, and run in their mouth and everything. I can't care about that. When you have a hard assignment, you can't care about 
disapproval from people who are not qualified to assess you. You need to care about disapproval and approval of those who are qualified to assess you. But too many times we care about everybody's opinion. We weigh everybody's thoughts. We, I mean, taking in, people will send emails, they'll send notes, they'll make their comments. Well, you know, and you know, and you know. You know what I know? I know you are not qualified to judge this. That's what I do know. That's what I do know. And I know you're not because you don't work here. Not go here because you can go here and not work here. Okay? You have employees and companies. Everybody who works for a company is not qualified to critique or criticize the company and how it's handled. All right? You can't, the, the secretary at the front, everybody has an opinion. Everybody's born with one. All right? Somebody working in the cubicle, you have your spot. But it's not until you get in that C-suite executive level that you find out actually everything that's going on. And then you find out, oh, that's why we do things like that. That's why you read the history. You get involved with the protocols and why they were set in motion. All of a sudden, you become very quiet about your opinions because you are not watching and observing from a bystanding point of view because you could be in close proximity to leaders but actually not be in their world. We know this because what? Households. Okay, households, Johnita, you know, you have two girls who live with you, your sister, but they're not with you on your job. You can come home and talk about work, selective elements of the job, but people don't know how selective you're being unless they get involved in your world. Because they'll think, oh, you talk about is work, and then they're like, oh, you don't talk about anything about work at all, do you? Wow. Huh. I just And God's kingdom is the same way. We have a lot of opinions about how we think things should be done. And when you get in that officer's training, you learn why they're done a certain way. You can have an opinion about law enforcement all day long. Sit down and talk to a law enforcement officer, go through some training, and you're like, oh, is that why you pull people over like that? That's why you tell them to do this. That's why this is this law. Oh, we shouldn't have passed that law, should we? Because now I had uh, the privilege of being in a room where our chief of police last year was having a whole talking conversation. Man, was that eye-opening. The laws, some of the laws that were voted upon, I think it was that previous year, maybe, and or earlier in the year, I can't, my timeline, I don't remember my timeline accurately. And he was saying that, well, now there's all these complaints about not arresting people for certain levels of drug use, but you all passed the law that said we couldn't. We couldn't check anymore. This, can't, this is no longer this, and this is no longer that. And he said people don't know what they're voting for when they're voting because the way it's spun is I know all the people I know who got pulled over who shouldn't, and I not thinking about all the people who actually should have been and now cannot because we've changed the law. And that's what we've done in the body of Christ. There's a lot of things that those preachers, man, when I was growing up, somebody got into some stuff in the church, uh, uh, somebody older than me, 
And, you know, the pastor made him get up and apologize to the congregation kind of thing. It, we all were raised in that kind of era where when you messed over in the body, you had to get up in front of the congregation and apologize if you were going to stay in the church. Forgive me for, and it is unbecoming of a Christian to do, and it was not my intent. And I was like, whoop, see, that's the pastor I had pastor i had he was like no 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 and so i've only seen that once in my whole life growing up and i tell you what it shook everybody in that church like don't play with the reverend well and we had several hundred people in our church it was not some 10 people that this person had to stand up in front of i think it may have been like both services (laughs) all right kind of thing and we we're so far past that now i mean that would be appalling today but think about it if people knew they had to stand up in front of the congregation and confess and ask for the sheep to receive their forgiveness and repentance, to be trusted in the flock again. People would say a whole lot less. Think three times before making some of these decisions because we have no accountability in the body of Christ anymore. I mean, it's, it's whatever, whatever you, however you see it, whatever you believe to be true, whatever campaign you launch, that's the one you are just going to – we have, we have ministers who have fallen into sin, blown up their ministries, and just go off and start another one. You have all these people in the church you left, lost, confused, angry, mad. I've been in Tulsa 22 years. I've seen my fair share of it. Mad, lost, going back to all kinds of things. Some people have stopped following Christ as a result. <clears throat> now, the ones who really love the Lord are like, I'm leaving you, but I'm finding something else that's going to preserve my soul because I love the Lord. Those are the ones who really love the Lord and know him and can separate the messiness of his people from his righteousness. Oh, we just need to find somebody who's doing it right. Dr. Price says this all the time. Why in the body of Christ do we throw out the whole institution when we've been offended or we're upset? If your job messes you over, you might take them to court depending on what it is, but you're going to find another job. If you had a bad doctor, I can't stand this doctor. Most people don't say down with the whole institution. They will hate it, complain about it, talk about it being overpriced, overcharged, and find someone else to overcharge them. This food, And because when it's something we feel we can't live without, then we pursue it. Returning to the point, the pressure of changing the word changing the message. Right now, we're going through and combing through the Word of God, shocked to discover what's there in plain English for us, what's always been written. When you wake up and realize you've been misled in the body of Christ, that takes you to a place. You have to think. And then here's the thoughts that I began to have. Why didn't I read this for myself sooner? Why did I read this as it is? Why did I even think to do it? Because we've heard a doctrine taught so long that the word of God is simple, basic. He wants you to feel good. He wants to love on you. The Lord wants you to be healthy and prosperous. He wants your family to be wholesome. Come on, we've heard all those messages, haven't we? And the lion's share of the word of God is not about that, actually. It's not. Which is why we've had to whittle it down and whittle it down and whittle it down to a few handfuls of scriptures. Because in order to make this farce a reality, you have to cherry pick 
And, and some of these things, have, last night we talked about, we're reading most of the scripture when we quote it. Not even the whole verse. Leaving off the important, the most important lines. The one that actually sets the context for why it was even written. We omit. You ever hear that uh, something happened and then, this is why scripture says you need to go to the other person. And then the second person comes along and tells, and you can tell they're telling the truth. They tell the whole story. There's just maybe two details, just two, that the first person omitted completely shifts everything that you understood to be the truth. That's how it is in reading the Word of God. You can hear a preached and hear a preached and hear a preached, but sometimes, depending on who you're sitting under, when you go and read the whole account in Scripture or you listen to the whole story, and you're like, that's not what that was saying at all. And so we have a piece of this and an ounce of that and a twist of this and a twist of that. And what we discover when we strip all that away and pull in the full counsel of God, um, that's not what that was saying at all. It's like when we watch these media stories. Dr. Price had an interview once on something. And uh, there was just like random clips of what some people were saying, and it was challenging for her to give accurate feedback because the clips were not whole statements. They weren't whole. So we really didn't know what they were saying. And that's when you can get into trouble when you are speaking on a matter in which you are not well-informed. And you think you're well-informed because, hey, the person telling me seems to be well-informed. They know so-and-so and thus and what, and they work here, they volunteer there, uh, they sit in this seat up. But maybe, just maybe, you're not hearing the whole story. And as we are embarking on what God has given us to do and sticking to the integrity of the mandate, it's a challenge. Because there's always an option to water it down. There's always an option. Uh, Last week, Dr. Price made many statements, but one of them was God could not be God today by doing things our way. God could, yeah, you said that. God could not be God today by doing things our way. Are you actually doing God's things your way? Are you waiting for him to do it your way? The authority of the believer. You cannot out-authority the Lord. That's like saying we as citizens have rights uh-huh, to remain silent. <laughs> okay? You have the right. There's a lot of rights we have, but our rights do not supersede the law. Our rights do not supersede. Well, I have the right. You, your rights are as free as somebody else's law-abiding. You have to stay within the confines of being that law-abiding citizen that we talked about earlier. So you have the right to free enterprise. You do not have the right to steal somebody's idea and make it your own and make money off of it. You have the right to make money, but it has to be done a certain way. You have the right to purchase a nice car, but not with somebody else's credit card information without their permission. 
okay? So your rights have got to stay within the boundaries of the law. And we have preached the lawless gospel, and we preached it and taught it that our rights supersede the law of God. Because, say, we don't want to be legalistic after all. We don't want to, you know, we don't want to make people feel bad. So you let them run roughshod over everything and everybody that they want, and then they can feel bad. The people that they've mowed down feel bad. We're, we're in a society where many times the assailant has more rights than the victim. You watch how many of the I watch so many of these shows, and the person who committed, these people are crying more for the person who committed the crime than the, the people on the receiving end of that destruction, whatever it is, whatever. It could be theft. It could be whatever. It doesn't even matter. And I'm thinking, wow. So we have, it started with the crime, and then ultimately it was the sorrow for the person who did it. And all of a sudden, the person it was done to and their families and everybody tied to it, they don't matter anymore. And that's kind of how we are in the body of Christ. Hey, come as you are, get worse. God understands. <laughs> get worse. He understands. He knows you're trying when you're not trying. The preaching of the gospel says you don't have to try. You don't have to really become like Christ because he is just accepting you as you are. You don't have to be transformed because he just loves you as you are. <laughs> you like that, don't you? Yeah. You know she's having fun with this, right? Yes. I've been I've been teaching all month. Yeah, you, yeah, you fired. We could probably give you ninety more days. You'd be happy as a little clam, wouldn't you? You know what? I probably would be. I'm telling you, you'd be happy as a clam. Get the whole thought out. Get it, you know, because right now you're just sowing seeds. Yeah. Um, you know, it's so interesting that you mentioned the law because I am talking about the law today. Oh, yes. Isn't it nice to be in the vein of the Holy Ghost? We in the yes. vein. The Jesus. Yeah. And Paula show. Yeah. I asked the Lord. Mm-hmm. So it is really um, interesting to see that we have done, she said, I asked the Lord. One of the things that I want to talk about is how lawless we are and how lawful we think we are in our lawlessness. Oh, I'm taking notes. All right. Because the church, the you know, right now we can say whatever we want to say, but the evangelicals, and I love them because I'm, I'm, I'm an evangelical person. I got saved with these people. But the bottom line is that, 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 that for all of the great things they did, there's this little, little thing. I call it a bacteria, spiritual bacteria that was sown in the consciousness, in the soul of Christ's body. And this bacteria is called lawlessness or antinomialism. And so that means against law. And that is not new. When you research it in, the, uh, in the, the, the references, you find out that there were always Christian saints who did not want to conform to any law. But when Jesus came, they exploited the liberty of Jesus Christ by saying the law of Christ exempts and preempts them from any law, which is why we got Romans 13. See, we, we got Romans 13 because 
that, there was no real democratic system. I know they like to say there was, but there was no real democratic system. By the time the Bible got to printing, in its printed form, the, and, of course, we had that, the whole other thing where we could finally say that the Romans and the Athenians and the Greeks were a democratic society. However, when the Bible was being lived, see, we have to separate Scripture from when it's being lived, recorded, see, because we have to do that, and then when it was printed. So there are these major uh, 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 segments of time that help us define and rightly set the Christian or the church's, it's, what's the second one? Recorded. Recorded, which is what we had, which was, you know, passed around as the letters and the scrolls. And the last one is what? Printed. Printed. See, so when you decide, I'm going to study the Bible, I want to understand the word of God. Now, I often don't, I often opt for the word scripture over Bible. Because, see, all of these different Bibles make you think that the scripture had a lot of difference and variations too, but they did not. The people who wrote the scriptures were authentic messengers and scribes of the Almighty. Peter says as much. Holy men of God wrote as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. These Bibles, these are the renditions of the scripture per se, the, especially all of the power and the power. Anytime you say power, you take authentic off the table. A paraphrased version means it's not authentic. It's inauthentic. It's an assumption. It's an extrapolation. So when you say, I'm going to learn the Bible, you have to decide whether or not you're going to learn a Bible or study the scriptures. And I had to make that choice because when I got born again, I, and I got filled with the Holy Ghost. I wanted to read anything that had Bible and Jesus in it. But that's part of the trip. You know, that is part of the duping that you don't know. So all of these, you, you all are so proud of your paraphrase Bible, but look who's quoting them. See, I look at the person who quotes the paraphrase Bible. You need to go, if you're going to select a Bible, study the people who compiled it. See, uh, these people can't write a scripture. They have to compile the scriptures that go all the way back in time. It's important that you recognize that. It's very important that you wrap your head around the reality that the Bible does not have to be the scripture, which is why they use Bible to say the Bible for dummies or the Bible book for fixing computers or whatever, because they're, the enemy was very, I mean, he's good at what he does. He's good at duping and deceiving, and, and the saints make it easier for him. He doesn't even have to work hard because wow. we don't ask questions because we're too busy assuming what makes us feel good has to be right, and it has to be righteous before God because it makes us feel good. See, I'm, I'm there. That was good. Let me hit this thing here. I'm going to get this here. Yeah, there you go. I'm going to gavel up today. We're talking law. And so, <laughs> so the point that I'm making is this. Don't think because you have a Bible that you have the scriptures. Don't think because of the text and the adaptations that are, that are made to 
to modernize the Bible. Anything that's talking about modernizing will usually skip over eternalizing because they are contemporizing it. So if you have a contemporary version of Scripture, you can rest assured that it's not that interested in what the mind of God actually revealed, what the Holy Ghost actually revealed. You can rest assured that that's not the case because you can't modernize. How do you modernize eternity? See, I'm stuck on that part. See, I get stuck on those little, see, I told you this is a bacteria. You cannot modernize eternity. You understand that when Jesus came back to walk on dirt, he came, remember, he came back from Omega to do redemption. And he came back as the author of the scriptures and everything else. So when Jesus decided that he was coming back in time, see, he could come back in time because God's biotic, everything is biotic, so he just went back in his own memory. And see, the, the closest thing we can understand about Jesus' memory, him coming back and personifying himself, is, the, is kind of like heaven's uh, super souped up version of a hologram, except he, he, he came back in his memory and physicalized himself to carry out the cross. Isn't that powerful? So you think that Jesus was old-fashioned. Because you're living in your time. You're not, you're not the creator of time. You're talking about your day, your 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. But Jesus Christ proves himself as God because he comes back from the end of every, not even just the end of time. He comes back from the end of his vision for starting his creation before earth. So he comes back. And he can prophesy a future. Why? Because he's that future. So you think, yeah, well, you know, uh, well, I'm sorry, but, but, you know, Jesus is outdated. No, the church called Christianity is outdated. It's behind God. The elect was in Christ before the foundation of the world. So, frankly, our physical frame has to come catch up with our eternal existence. And the societies and institutions that we found have to catch up. Did anybody hear the word catch up? So Jesus literally downgraded himself from he who sits on the throne. He downgraded himself from the other side of the spirit and the bride stage come. So he rolls himself back. And he rolls himself back in sperm. So that he can blend with the era that he once ruled over. Wow. So Jesus comes up. You have to hear this because this is amazing when you think about it because you think that Jesus came into existence when he came out of Mary's womb. Right. We have to kill that. That's error, right. and that's contemporizing him. Jesus came back. That's why he said he was made in the form 
he's still, that sperm is still almighty God. It's just not operating as sovereignty. But you can understand by virtue of how people reacted to him, it still functioned as royalty. So he cleansed his sovereignty. He, he set it aside. He said, I laid aside my divine privileges. So he took and he said, I'm going to be royal. I'm coming as king because kings or royalty is not a title in God's realm. It's a being. So I can't be what I'm not, anything but what I am. So I'm going to be king. And the people who know their God will know me. And the people who don't know the Almighty can't know me as his seed, as his offspring. So as we go moving into this, we come down. I want you to remember this. If you're taking notes online, I want you to, if it's your Bible, first of all, make sure you have an authentic Bible, not a paraphrase. I know y'all like that message stuff because you want everything easy to read because you want, you want salvation to be easy to live. So that's why you like those easy-to-read Bibles, because then you don't have to pray, you don't have to fast, you don't have to sit before God, you don't have to rely on the Holy Ghost. So you want that do-it-yourself redemption, DIY redemption. So you want that DIY redemption. I got this, Lord. I got, I'll call you when I need you, Jesus. You want that DIY. See, cause those paraphrases are for your DIY, which meaning it's for you to do it as you see fit while you're in the planet. Because when you leave the planet, nobody cares about your D, your I, or your Y. <laughs> they don't really care about that. And so as we go forward, you need to understand that you can have a Bible and have never read the Scriptures. And it's time for us to take this, this sharp two-edged sword and cut between the two. This is a joint and marrow thought. And you're going to think, as we go forward, you're going to have to think joint and marrow, not finished skin. We're going past all of those dermises. We're going down to the marrow. And, you know, because everybody who is in any type of medical profession will tell you the marrow is all you. That marrow is who you are. Right. That, because the marrow is not, not only subject to what you put in your body, it's also the revelation or the holder or distributor, it's a better word, of what your blood and how your blood is made. It's so you can pervert it. Your marrow is not is perverted but it's by what you put in it. But it, when you go beyond and extract all of those additives that we like to do, your blood is what it is, and your blood will, is whether or not you are the authentic you. So you can turn around. You could be really cute. You done got your little hormone pills. I mean, you are cuter than cute. You got your little wig on, grew your hair. You got all your fakery, your finery and fakery. You got it all going on. But when we go to your blood, because the blood tells the truth, they can't treat you as your preferred gender because your blood tells the truth. So then you, that's when you have to say, I'm willing to die for this thing. Ah, that's, true. that's it. That's it. So they can't treat you as cutie boo who just had a weekend orgy with a whole bunch of other genders, pretending and deceiving them. 
You shouldn't say that. Huh? <laughs> See, they have to treat you how you came into the planet. They have to treat you how you formed in your mother's womb. They have to treat you the way the sperm reproduced you, procreated you. So all of that imagery is for the public eye. That's how powerful the blood is. Jesus had to become flesh to get human a woman's egg. See, we preach this gospel, it's all been about you, and it's all been a motivational, happy time. You know, I'm not a motivational speaker. Don't ever ask me, now, but I will move you. I'm a transformative speaker because I'm going to change not just your life. I'm going to change how you live it. That's what apostles do. Apostles don't just change your life. They change how you live it. How you live life. And I'm telling you, whether you're five seconds or five hours, you will never live life the same way. Because when, they, when your consciousness is changed, your cognizance is altered, and it gives different commands to your body, to your brain. So let's get on with this. Jesus stepped back in time to do the cross. And in order to do so, he had to downgrade himself from the second person of the Godhead, not just member. See, member, it may not be exact, but person is exact. So he had to downgrade from being the second verbatim of the Godhead to become the son of man. He had to take away and and, and literally dump deathlessness. He had to dump the capacity for deathlessness. He had to dump uh, every uh, impervious part of his makeup that made him impervious to sin, impervious to death, sickness, and disease. He had to do all of that. So when he took on flesh, he took on everything that would kill him. See, people like to have these arguments, and you sat around there, well, I just don't believe that Jesus died for your sins. Jesus died for your sins, but you can, you can kill yourself by ignoring it. So you need to understand everyone comes into this planet deathified. In other words, subject to death, everything, not roach, everything, leaves, trees. Why do we have four seasons? Because death is built in to anything that's on planet Earth. You can, you can have your little discussions, go through your little philosophical harangue. The bottom line is you're old and you're dying. And you can't do a thing about it. I don't care how many times you want to technologize it. You can technologize it and God just tell the sun, don't shine for 10 months. You are out of business. Or 10 years. Because that's what he says. Every time he gets ready to reset the planet, he tells the sun, turn off. And that's the energy source of everything. So he comes in and he brings himself under the law. And we think that the law that he's talking about is just the law of Moses, not that the law of Moses applies to sin and death. The law of Moses applies to humans. It applies to mortality. See, the law of Moses is for the mortals because even Moses is not living that law right now. He's not living that. So, He comes and he makes himself human, brings himself under every law that God has. See, we think the only law God has is the law of of, uh, Moses, 
But then Moses' law comes out of the law that God put on Adam in the garden. The law of sin and death or the law of the compulsion of sins that lead to death. So you take sin out, there's no death. The fact that we die means we're sinners. God shut everybody up under sin. We don't like it, and so you have all of your, you know, all of the deceptions of all of these um, these pagan religions and all of these earth-grown religions. They're all ignoring the sin and celebrating the death. Isn't it wonderful that you're rotting away? Isn't that great? Yay! Isn't it great that you're going to return to this? And when you leave this body, you're going to go to this really wonderful world in hell because hell had a paradise. It no longer has a paradise. That's why Jesus came and said, if you do this, you're going to hell, because he was dealing with the illusory of hell that the devils had institutionalized as their religious reward. Does that make sense to you all? So when Jesus comes back, he comes back, with all of the laws God has in effect in him, except the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, except the law of immortality. Everything that will get Jesus in the grave, he brings into existence in his body. So, you know, many times you all think about it, and, and we act like, well, you know, Jesus didn't have to. Yeah, he did. Jesus had to get on the cross. The minute he put himself in sperm and then joined his sperm to this mortal soul's egg, he had no way to get back home. That's how high the stakes were. Is that speaking to you? So he couldn't, he couldn't get back home as a being. He couldn't get back to the throne. That's why when you read Revelation 4 and everybody's having this great big party in heaven, woo, he made it back. Oh, we got it. Oh, and we recovered the earth. This is great. Oh, that is what that's saying. Because Jesus literally, it was all or nothing. He would be a subject to Satan forever. That's what the battle was. See, and, and because Satan did not know God's power over God's resurrection power, because he left a slew of dead citizens in God's world and then hasn't been back to see what's going on since, he did not know that God could raise Jesus from the dead. Now, the, the, the eternal citizens that sinned, they did not get redemption. He said, I don't give aid to angels. But he did not know saints of God, the elect of God. He did not know that righteousness tends to life. And that as long as there, you are in a righteous place, God can back down any devil in your life. He can change any law. Because the law of righteousness precedes and supersedes the law of sin and death. That he can stop anybody from doing anything, but you have got to be in a place of righteousness. You read throughout scripture where God makes, makes terms like, 
yeah, but something good was found in him. Or this one I set aside, which means he, he literally not only mitigated but minimized the effects of the law of sin and death that would come through his, a person's genetic tree. That's why you must be born again, because your tree is cursed. Your tree is supposed to kill you, and it's up to you to right yourself or to just move yourself from under your family's genealogy into the genealogy of the Godhead, the only, oh, how much here? See, no other seed exists to give you eternal life but the seed of Christ. No other one. And if you decided to live this thing on Christ's level and on his plane, you would be like Moses, 120 years, still climbing mountains. How are you 120 years told to go climb a mountain? Okay, I mean, we got stairs here that I'm like, why are these stairs? And why are they everywhere? I've got more stairs in this building than a little bit. But Moses is 120 years old, living in God's presence nonstop, because remember, he had to move away from the community because the residents were a little bit reckless. He's 120. I want you to hear me. And at 120, he said, I can no longer go in and come out. But that way, when you read no longer go in and come out from a leader, that means I can no longer be your commander. I can't be your general any longer. I'm too old to go out and fight because he could still climb. His eye wasn't dim. He could read. He can see. So, so, and those models are in Scripture to let you know God can supersede his own law when he gets good and ready. We just don't give him a reason to. See, we don't give God reason enough to supersede his own law. For him to do that, he, if he supersedes his law because of your wrongness, then Satan is going to bring a case against you and his judgment based on what he knows to be God's righteousness. Is this speaking to you all? Yes. How about my social media folk? Are you all following along? Oh, yeah. So now why is this important? Well, because in order for... The, for Satan to break the back of the church, he had to shift your faith from righteousness to personal liberty. And Jesus has already decreed in John six sixty three that spirit that gives life, the flesh profits nothing. In the flesh, he says, dwells no good thing. So in our flesh, which is why the flesh goes back to, to the dust, the skin goes to the dust, skin and bones, and the soul goes to hell. So you have people who you are, some of you are, you'll go to your grave tonight saying you're, you're saved and you're not because you're not born again. You have to go to your God because the Bible said the Lord knows those that are his. And everybody that belongs to him is to depart from iniquity. So while you got your little thing on the side, you got your little girl on the side, your little boy on the side, you got the person shacking, you give them a little touch-up to pay the rent every month, you got your drugs under the table, you've got your lies, your deceit, you've got your nasty little business practices, you or you are apostate. Mm -hmm. 
You must be born again to even see that that's a problem for God. And whatever's a problem for God trickles down to his communities. So you can say all day long, I don't care because I'm going to deal with you. I don't care, Dr. Price, that's legalistic as opposed to being what? Illegal? You may be legal on earth, but you're still Ill, illegal in creation. They may, the, uh, human law may legitimize you here, but eternity can't legitimize you because it's already sent people to hell for what you are claiming liberty from. See, God already had hell. And I want you to get this. I don't know who this is. And somebody here, you're very sick, and you refuse to repent because you taught this thing. And you taught it in such a way that you're too ashamed to refute or retract what you said. So I'm telling you, I don't care what you say. The fact that you can't keep yourself alive, answer. Well, I still believe that when you die, you sleep. But when Jesus died, he didn't sleep. When Moses died, he didn't sleep. Well, I don't believe the Bible. I don't know why. The one thing the Bible has on everybody is that you die. The second thing it has on everybody is that you get old. And then you die. And the third thing it has on everybody is that you get sick, which ages you. So you die. See, God doesn't ha- He said he gave himself infallible proof. Now, those are infallible proofs. You can say, I, I, and it happens to everybody, your little baby, your sweetheart, your little, you know, you like, on earth we like to say, yeah, but, you know, that, that, that kids are innocent. In God's realm, he's not dealing with the age. He's dealing with the makeup, the composition. And Jesus could not go back home until God, overturned the law and sin of the law of sin and death that he imposed on him to get him to qualify to go to hell. See Jesus had to qualify to get in hell. And the only way you go to hell is through sin and death. You don't you know you just now up until then he could step anywhere he wants. He can go to hell, he can go to heaven, he can do whatever. But when he became human laid aside all of his sovereignty, all of, and I, I if they, we want to say sovereignty, deity, I'm saying he laid aside all of his Godheadness and his Godhoodness, mostly Godhead, because he kept his deity, which is why he could do the things he did, walk on water, full space. <laughs> and expect healing and sight instead of COVID. <laughs> now you talk about a God complex. That's a God complex in action. In observation. You think because you have a church, you have become pure as the Lord Jesus Christ. You, you sitting there, li- I mean, you living like however you live, all of these folks who like to do those antics. So I told you, when you have no revelation and you're anti-law, 
then you have to do antics because you're about entertainment, not redemption. Yeah, I know you want it so bad, don't you? Go ahead. We let you go ahead. Go ahead. Just she said. <laughs> she said just one time. Just one. <laughs> and the fact that you don't discern the times where if that might have been okay 25, 50 years ago, it is not today. In today's world, the last thing people will do is celebrate your spirit. <laughs> And to think that your size and your numbers and your wealth somehow or another purged you from all sin. See, your material things and possessions don't purge. They just prosper. There's no purgative in your wealth. But you do have enough money to buy people to pretend there is. Oh, my. Oh, my. There's no purgative possessions. So no matter what, but I just, I think God is doing it because, I mean, it's really funny because last week I talked about how the kids got nothing. So I, I need to know why your ka-ching is, better, is purer than the unredeemed ka-ching. But in my mind, a ka-ching is a ka-ching. Moving right along. I understand. I understand. And to come up with those kind of tacky excuses, talking about you, you know that that's all flesh. You know that came from the earth. Because there's no way in the world you can blame Jesus for that. Because if that's the case, maybe he'd have, he'd have a whole industry of people bobbling spit and rubbing folks with COVID. I'm telling you, if Jesus was in the planet today, he wouldn't be able to, he'd be dehydrated because they'd be collecting this spit 24-7. We're making it. Honey, he done been under the microscope. We want his spit. We're going to want his sweat. We're going to want his urine. Whatever. Now you vaccinated. But again, paraphrased version. And you have to understand, paraphrased, Means what? Does anybody know what paraphrase actually means? Because when you see on your Bible a paraphrased version, dump that. Or keep it for some literary reading. But don't expect the Holy Ghost to authenticate it. The Holy Spirit does not authenticate a Bible just because a publisher wants to print it. The Holy Spirit authenticates God-breathed words. And I'll tell you the truth, there's so much revelation in the Bible the way it is that it's, it, it, you don't even have to pretend. Now, let me tell you this, because it's important that you know, if God wanted you to do it yourself, if he wanted DIY, he would not have given you first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. He's given some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So why? Does he keep the teacher's office open if he wants you to do it yourself? Mm-hmm. Amen. I'm just asking. Is this, you read the I, I was you, What did it say? Come on, girl. 
to paraphrase, the verb is express the meaning of, this is whatever online thing, um, express the meaning of the writer or speaker to something written or spoken using different words, especially to achieve greater clarity. The noun paraphrase means a rewording of something written or spoken by someone else. A rewording. Which is what we're So your, your, your paraphrased Bibles are reworded, which on earth, in our realm, you could get sued for because they call it plagiarism. Absolutely. Absolutely. But because Jesus is where he is, you get to plagiarize and then make people think that because it's clearer to your understanding. When Scripture says lean, I don't even know how you handle that when you read Proverbs 3, lean not to your own understanding. How do you? They rewrote it. Okay. <laughs> they rewrote it. That's what they did. Okay. All right. They rewrote it. So it doesn't say that now. No, so and and so you don't understand, but you what you must understand is that your paraphrased version did not exist when God was breathing on those scribes and prophets. So we have to go back to where the Holy Ghost was breathing. We called it God breathing. You know, I love having. I read these other scriptures, and I'm like, I can even hear it wrong because I've been reading this so long. But I read this, and I thought, but that works for this generation in this nation. Yeah. It's not timeless. God chose timeless language that would imply and infer timelessness. And once he gave the beginning of his revelation and his disclosures to a human, it was from that was the start point. That was the catalyst. From that moment on, that catalyst turned into the continuum. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know if you got You know, I'm sitting here. I'm all excited. But because you have to recognize that God can't change because of human culture. Just because we went from smoke signals to telephones doesn't mean we still don't call them signals and communications. We need we gonna need some smoke. We gonna need where my flare. I'm gonna need my flare. Something. I mean, people use pigeons today because they can't be. Hacked. Maybe it'll be shot, but it can't be hacked. And that picture is going to come back because it comes back home. Now, I, I laid that out there for you, for you to have a, an understanding of why the law is important. Go and give me, um, there's a site that's so powerful that I use called Power Thesaurus and, and Hit Law. Because I want you to understand how much people have misled you in understanding the word law. For example, God had law before he had Moses. So what law was that? Does anybody know that that there were laws before Moses? As a matter of power of of an endless life spoken of by, uh, by, in Hebrews 10, is a law. It said, by the law of an endless night. Because immortals have one law, the deathless have one law, and then the doomed and mortal have a different law. One law is to give life. That's what the scripture says. The other law is what? To take life, to erode or consume life. Did you find it? I did. did you, are you ready to give us some of them? I am. That's a, this is one of the most powerful source sites I've found. Yes, it is. Wow. Yes. Power 13, how many? Dot org. 
1,355. How many, how many of you believe that if it's that many synonyms that some of them are behavioral, others are conscious, others are cognitive, others are uh, moral? See, all of these things, because law is to cover all of that. Have fun. Having fun. I'm, I'm going to hit the bell and let you know when you're done. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'll hit the gavel. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. The chief judge. All right. Yeah. Rule, decree, ordinance, regulation, statute, canon, precept, principle, edict, order, act, mandate, enactment, legislation, police, constabulary, code, jurisprudence, constitution, dictate, prescription. Well, that's interesting. Uh-huh. But that's why you have to be authorized to write a prescription. That's it. Huh. And, it, and it also means you have to be authorized. That word, law, you need to, in order to prescribe how that law is carried out. Mm-hmm. Yes. So prescription is the how-to of all of those other words. Mm-hmm. Huh. Methodology. Ruling, injunction, command, commandment, axiom, maxim. Maxim. Really? <laughs> Lawful, lawfulness. Right? You're done. Oh. <laughs> Take to court? <laughs> so now, when you go to church, the only thing you want to say is this flat foot. I did not know flat foot yep. was the synonym for law. Flat footed. Yep. Flat footed. Standing on solid ground. So, but now, hear me. Because when you go to church, the only thing you hear about law is the commandments. Now, Scripture includes in its, uh, all of those words that she gave, enact, command, commandment, ordinance, decree, those are all included in, in this. In Bible statutes, in Scripture, you don't hear them because all of those modern translations, many of them just took the word law to confuse you and to delude you into breaching God's covenant with you unknowingly. So God has these laws. The Bible, so we can move forward, the Bible has actually got memoirs, government, guidance, provisions. So the Bible is, is the abbreviation of everything that keeps eternity going. I want to say that again. The Bible is an abbreviation of everything that keeps eternity going. I think that bears repeating. The Bible is what? So when people tell you, well, you know, the Bible, I mean, that's not, um, that's not perfect and it's, it's flawed. It's a perfect abstract. The scripture, as God compiled it, as he communicated it to his scribes, his prophets, namely the prophets, and later his apostles, think about somebody says to you, I don't know if anybody ever had to do a dissertation. You had to, anybody here, you have to do an, you need the abstract. How important is the abstract? It's a brief synopsis of your whole paper that makes people want to read it. It's a brief synopsis synopsis of your whole paper that makes people want to read that thick document that you're about to write. So the abbreviation is God's 
abstract. So he sent to earth an abstract of what keeps his world going. That's a little different now, isn't it? And the whole idea is that once you got through this abstract and as you went through it, he would visualize or in other ways epitomize what that simple, succinct statement actually looks like when it's peopleized, when it falls in humans. Does this speak to you all? So when you hear people say, well, that's not in the Bible, well, it may not be in the abstract, but you can rest assured the abstract does reference everything that writer wants you to get from that paper. Everything. Because when you think about it, it's a summary. God summarizes. And when you read his scriptures in Romans, I believe it's Romans, uh, I forget it, I think it's Romans 12 or 16, where he said the scriptures are a sample. In other words, he didn't say just examples. He said the scriptures are put into sample form so that you do not sin for our admonishment. Scriptures. And the reason that it's all law or comes under the heading of law is not only because it governs, but it regulates. It's not just regulating you. It's regulating that which would destroy you. Very different than how we've been taught. You know, I remember coming up and they were talking, people were up, you're talking about people with PhDs excited that they read a whole verse. I want to hit something. Me too. You have to read, you, you're proud of reading Time Magazine, the New York Times, Forbes, and all of that, and you are, I'm sorry, the best I could do is get through a verse. Oh, I read three verses today. You need to keep that to yourself. <laughs> Don't tell anybody that when it comes that you are that dense concerning what's to save your soul. That type of density needs to be hidden. Keep it under wraps. <laughs> You're talking about Philemon is like one page. You can't even get through Philemon with your coffee in the morning. That is how successful the brainwashing that conditioned us to think that everything about God is too hard to even attempt. It's too hard to attempt. You cannot... You realize how many people, you can listen to people who prophesy who've never read a prophet, not the minor or the majors, or anything in between. You got people who are telling you that the law of Moses is done away with. It is done away with when you are born again. Until then, you are under the law of Moses because the law is for dead, doomed flesh. In order to stop being bound to the law of Moses, you must. Be born again so that you come into, not even under, you come into the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And how do you do that? Because you are no longer legislative. You are now biotic. And so the biology of the Almighty is what's keeping you. Oh, man, I'm sorry. So hit something. Hit that bell, girl. You get to See, you're kept, when you're born again, you're kept by God's biology, his biotic. Until you're born again, you're kept by his legislation. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And so you think it's an attitudinal thing. 
See, that's why we have a problem, because you think it's attitudinal mm-hmm. and not anatomic. You know, I'm fired up today. <laughs> she said, fuck, I'm lit. <laughs> she said, I am lit. <laughs> All the way. So you understand your redemption. So you are slouching and you're slopping your, uh, your redemption because you really think that if you don't do the Ten Commandments, or if you do the Ten Commandments, you're okay. And if you don't do the Ten Commandments, you're free of them. That is not God. The Ten Commandments were on stone because there wasn't a human body that could take them on, that could absorb them. Wow. That's good. Wow. That's good. Mm. That's right. I want to lay down myself. I want to lay my head down here. I got you. <laughs> I just want to take it and say, oh, shade of a bubble shot. Write me some comments, you all out there, and social media. You know, aside from the bombs and the fires. <laughs> okay, well, you'll let me know. So, so here's what you need to understand. When you are... When, when, when you are made royalty, when you're made a sovereign, when you're made a monarch, you are to internalize the law of the land. Yeah. You are to internalize, anatomize, neurologize the law of the government. You're, it's supposed to be on you because presumably you are, you are born into it by your genetics. So it was back then, it was very common to know that if a person was really meant to rule, they had to ingest, anatomize, and all of those things that I just said, the government of the land. Now, Dr. Price, how are we to know if that's true? Our favorite phrase is Joshua 1.8, this book of the law, what? Shall not depart from your but you should what? Meditate on it day and night. For when you do, what happens? You shall make your way prosperous and have good success. Now, God said that to Joshua. Moses didn't say it. He was gone. So God is saying, you want to be like Moses? Let me tell you how I made you. Let me tell you how I made Moses Moses. Eighty days and forty day increments, Moses was at the top of the mountain in Mount Sinai in the face of God, absorbing the light, and in that light, the light coat. That's why he glowed, but it's also why he couldn't die. He could not go to hell. He couldn't be killed. Because he, and now remember, this is before we get the Ten Commandments. Matter of fact, he broke the first thing. Hot-headed soul he was. So Moses is in God's face getting the Ten Commandments on stone while God is breathing it into him. The very essence, the very biotics, the very genetic DNA of the Godhead is being breathed into him. 
But I don't know if I said it. If he comes down glowing like a lamp, he's glowing like a stadium. The man got to cover his face. I mean, I can't imagine what he what he looked like when he took off his clothes. He probably looked like an alien. All lit up. Now, when do we see that again? In the Lord Jesus on what? Mount of Transfiguration, same thing. All of a sudden, you understand that that spirit in Jesus Christ is full of the light of the glorious gospel, is full of the Godhead's DNA. They say he lit up the mountain. Can you imagine? You go, you were looking for a floodlight. <laughs> and get mad if the thing is not solar, just in case it won't keep you. So Jesus tells you the more of my light you get in you, the more of my word you get in you, the more of my light radiates through you. And he said, make sure that the light in you is not the light of darkness. But if it's the light of light, if it's the light of truth, Jesus said something very powerful. He said, it lights up your entire being. I know it to be a fact. I don't imagine it. I know it to be a fact. When you and when you you know when you've crossed over when you start illuminating the word of God and you start illuminating the presence of the whole Almighty and the essence of the new creature. That's our goal. That's what we're supposed to be. As He is, so are we in this world. Right now, we're at as. <laughs> maybe just maybe we at the A. Still working on the S. You know, uh huh. Flat, you know the flat A, you know. But God, Joshua, how did they do it? Israel, how did they do it? I did that teaching. You all should get my teaching on manna babies, because the Joshua generation that this the, this church is talking about is not the Joshua generation that took Jericho. Rachel will put it up there, or Sade, I, 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 there she is, look at you. Manna babies. And, and there's, there's two versions of them, though, isn't it? Okay. okay. Get, my, get the manna babies, because, see, the Bible calls the, God's word the bread of life. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. What is he saying? Eat my coats. Eat my biology. You have it in seed form. Now, this is the truth. Can you imagine? Why, why are the angels better? Because they're made of the word of God. That word comes with a full library, a full archive, a full repository. Come on, somebody help me. A full repository, thesaurus, dictionary of everything that, that enables them to not only survive in God's world, but to thrive and regenerate. See, when, we, when they say we replenish, we replenish to where we last what? We were the glass half empty. We may start out with the glass half full. Our cell might have been full. But by the time we keep expending it, we are now re- replenishing to the last point. I know that this is not the, the gospel that we are accustomed to. I know that it may be more scientific or analytical or whatever, but I just want you to know I'm not saying anything that's not in the Word of God. Right. Right. 
I am not saying anything that is not. When you look up bread, you look up the word. So the assumption is that the Bible is outdated. Well, are you a man of baby? Do you glow at night? Does your philosopher glow? And if it is, is it an eerie green? A little pukey plasmic kind of thing? Because that's what God is talking about. Everything, every creature in God's world is made of God's word. And the very thing that God discovered and perfected to keep himself alive and on top is what he's passing on in the form of the new creation. If you're not born again, then you are not saved. You may be sanctified by your church, but you are not saved by the blood of the Lamb. And it's the church you're going to leave behind. When you die, your church is going to be around to scoop up some more people. But when you are born again, you know. And you know you're born again because all of a sudden God's not foreign. He's not strange. He doesn't seem anomalous to you. You know you're born again because God makes perfect sense. And also because you find he's engraving an appetite for himself in you. So you don't, you're not walking around happy that you, that you managed to get in three verses of Scripture. Can you imagine a pastor standing up there telling a church full of people? Yes. Huh? One did say that. What did they say? Yeah. And not only are you not a theologian, you're not a representative of Jesus Christ. We need to find out what deity you are speaking for. Because he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. John chapter 6, we say it every month. I am the bread of life. So how are people going to know that they have eternal life if you don't do Bible? How are people, did it take your word for it and you sitting there not looking like you an eternal being? Because unless you glow in and, and, and like Jesus did on the Mount of Transfiguration, and if you were, you would love the scripture. So you are a preacher who told you that you decided, I don't really want to know God like that. I don't want to be obligated to God like that. And he, you have that right. But do you have a right to take away the key of eternal life for all of those people who are trusting God through you? That's right. Come on. Do you have that right? Because you were, you're, what you're doing is, is literally tantamount to numa genocide. You're causing these people to die because their spirits are not being born again. So you're wiping out God's church because you don't want to believe, because it didn't talk to you, because you probably ticked God off so much he decided not to talk to you. Well, he does that. You tick him off, he's like, no, I'm not talking to so-and-so. Great example, because, you know, I have to use scripture example, because, you know, the saints, they need help. God tells Abraham that he's going to be the father of many nations and that Sarah is going to bring forth from his seed the seed of promise. Time goes by. Sarah decides to help the Holy Ghost out, at least it seems like, but God uses Sarah's frustration and impatience to bring forth Ishmael. Ishmael comes, and Isaac doesn't come for 13 years later. 
13 years later, Isaac is born, and Ishmael is like, I'm not liking this, because when you are a child of promise, everything around you know, because they can see the promise on you and in you. You talk like promise. Joseph talked like promise. All right? So he started teasing him, and Sarah saw Ishmael teasing her son, and she cast out the bondwoman. Now, the first time she was cast out, God sent her back because the baby hadn't been born. Second time she's cast out, God is like, no, Sarah's right. He got to go. So they're in the wilderness with whatever it is they took with them because, see, Sarah, I mean, Hagar was also being obnoxious. They're in the wilderness. So Hagar is praying, and she's crying. But Hagar doesn't belong to, uh, to Yahweh. So God answers the kid. So he's talking to the kid and prophesies him. Because he came from Abraham. He's Abraham's seed. Do you understand the point? And we can use more and more. But I want to move on into this. You know, I'm having a blast just sharing. But um, I want to go to where we are, where we're going next. So this book of the law, of the law, and I want to talk to you, wrap this up on a young king named Josiah. So you don't think that I have issues with chronological youth. What I have issues with is maturity youth or immaturity, like the spit thing. I mean, nothing says that I'm immature better than that. Nothing says God's not speaking better than that. You got to rely on your own, your own body fluid. Y'all all right? Y'all, social media, you all all right out there? All my fam? I don't know if all right is quite what I want to do. So, Second Kings 22, very, very powerful story. You can read the whole chapter, but I'm going to jump around a little bit. 22.1, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. Jerusalem means he's of the tribe of Judah, which means the lineage of Jesus Christ. Just so we're all clear. And his mother's name was Jedida. What is it? Jedida. All right, I'll get there. The daughter of Adaiah of Boscoth. Now, this is why I really get a kick out of them reading the Bible to me. I can get those words right. I'm so excited. I, I like that. Read it. Come on, pronounce it for me, brother. Brother pronounces it. How come women can't read the Bible? Why do we never get women voices? I'm just saying. You have a... Oh, yeah, I know the CEV. I have that. I want to know why we can't a uh, women uh, we can't have a female. Yeah. Well, anyway, I just thought I want to ask. And, and and this is what God says. He's eight years old, and then and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in all the way of David his father, and turned not aside to the right hand or the left. Now think about this. He's eight years old. 
and he's king. So you know he's not ruling. He's not reigning. He's just occupying because all of the adults are ruling. Now, this is what these young folks use to say that. So let me clear that up to say that God doesn't care about how young you are. Well, I don't know. It depends on what we call young because what they called young back there then and what we call young today, two different young. So you need to understand, do your homework and do your history. But what's important also in this discussion is that sovereignty, monarchies, are dynasties. They are passed on. They don't care how old you are. If you're the next in line, that's who you are. And everybody's got to live with it and suck it up. So we have, that's why we have a lot, of, a lot of kids on the throne in a lot of these monarchical countries. But also a lot of young folks think that simply because God doesn't care about how dynasties perpetuate and succeed each other, that he doesn't care about his ecclesial ministers, and he does. So verse 3, it came to pass in the 18th year. So he started at 8. He's now how old? 18. 18 plus 8. Is that right? Oh, it's the 18th year. Yeah, 18th year. That the king sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, and the son of Meshalam, the scribe, to the house of the Lord. Now, here we go. This is interesting. You're going to love this because this is where we are today. Go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, that he may sum or count the silver which is brought into the house of the Lord, which the keepers of the door have gathered of the people, and let them deliver it into the hand of the doers of the work that have the oversight of the house of the Lord, and let them give it to the doers of the work, which is in the house of the Lord, to repair the breaches of the house. And he tells you who to give it to, carpenters, builders, masons, and all of that. And then you go down to verse 8, And Hakiah the high priest said unto Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the Lord in the house of the Lord. And Hakiah gave the book to Shaphan, and read it. Now, this, this other person, Shaphan, is like the Secretary of State. Okay? So he came to the king and brought the word again and said, Thy servants have gathered the money we found in the house of the law and delivered it to the, to the hand of them to do the work. And then he showed the king, saying, Hakiah the priest hath delivered me a book, and Shaphan read it before the king. Now, these words are nice. But, but it visualizes. This. this is a movie, okay? So we're going to theatricize it a little bit. So they are, they, first of all, they have to, they've been worshiping someplace else. And nobody was keeping the house of the Lord up. Everybody was doing something else in their own eyes. They made another church where they could do what they want to do. And all of those kings leading up to Josiah supported that. Josiah is whom God is raised up to have mercy on his people. You have to know who the mercifier is because God is using Josiah to keep his nation alive, particularly the line of Judah since that's where Jesus is coming. So they go to the house of the Lord. Now, this guy, what are you priesting? Verse 8. And Hakiah the high priest said unto Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law, I the priest. Mm, mm. Have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. Mm. So what book were you running with? Mm. 
See, paraphrase. The, the high priest. So you are the priest with the king to let you know how dilapidated God's faith had become, how dilapidated the spirituality is. Today we're in dilapidated spirituality. That's why we got graffiti on the walls, on the bodies. We got torn clothes. That's the dilapidation of the faith that Jesus Christ gave his life for. So he goes and he gives it to the king because since you're the king chosen to be the restorer of the breach, the repairer, you don't start with your own stuff. You start with, you go all the way back to when it was working, to before it broke down. You don't repair the breach with what you think you have today. You have to find out how the breach was built. So here we go. And it came to pass, verse 11, when the king had heard the words of the book of the law, because, see, this here is the priest didn't read it. The secularist did it. The realm, the king realm. See, this wasn't the priest, the high priest hadn't read the book of the law. Is this okay? Can we keep going? So it took his third in command to read the book. And it came to pass when the king heard the words of the book of the law that he rent his clothes. Now, he doesn't even know about a book of the law. Nobody knows that there's a like people today don't know. You realize how many Christians don't know the Bible, don't know that there be such a thing as a Bible that's governing their salvation or the lack thereof? Verse 12, and the king commanded Hekiah the priest and Ahikam the son of Shepham, and Akbor, the son of Micaiah, and Shaphim, the scribe, and Asaiah, a servant of the kings, saying, Go, now listen to this, because this is important. Verse 13, Go ye, inquire of the Lord for me, and for the people, and for all Judah, concerning the words of this book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us, because our fathers, say our fathers. Okay, predecessors, you can say that. All right, forerunners, because our fathers have not hearkened unto the words of this book to do according to all that which is uh, that which is written concerning us. So the priest, Hekai the priest, and all of those names that I just named, because I said everything starts with a prophet. Did I not say that? Yeah. Everything starts with a prophet. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm about to pass out up there. Y'all better pray for me. I'm telling you right now, my, my spirit is old. Rebosta. Everything starts. So because anybody who's in charge of any population knows you cannot go forward without your prophets because your prophets are the intermediary between the God of the land and your servant. Oh, I'm happy. Y'all happy? Yes. So they went unto Huldah the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tikvah, the son of Hahas, keeper of the wardrobe. Now she was in Jerusalem in the college, and they communed with her. Now here's where chauvinism is going to mess with you, because they changed college to second quarter. The problem is, 
She is a high prophet. Otherwise, why is the king going to her? See, because we don't understand and don't care about divine order, we like to talk it. Divine order makes good music, good preaching, good dancing, good rapping. But this woman is so high, they knew where she was. They knew where to go to get the word that a sovereign needs from the God of the land. They didn't go to the little kids running on a mic. They did not go to the old guard who got them in this place. Now, if she was not worthwhile, if she was not prominent, and I have a whole thing that I downloaded from the Jewish Encyclopedia, I think, that talks about she was the voice of all sovereignty, all supreme powers. So you can downplay college all you want, but you need to know that she was not alone. If she had a group of people, it was a college. So she goes, and you can tell this girl is bad. And so, and, and, and then they also like to tell us that, you know, the husband has to tell you she's the high power and the husband is working in the wardrobe. There's no precedence for the chauvinism that is imposed upon us. That is nothing but religious and masculine bias. Verse 15, and she said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Tell the man, not tell the king, tell the man. I love this part. Tell the man that, look at this, that sent you to me. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon this place and upon the inhabitants thereof, even all the words of the book which the king of Judah has read. So God calls him king. He keeps his title. Because they have forsaken me, have burned incense to other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath shall be kindled against this place, And shall not be quenched. But here's where it's good. Having the right person in place and being with the right person. See, if you're in the right church, you get spared. And if you can recognize your church is wrong, you are already of the elect. See, because the elect recognizes the false. Mm. Ah. Verse 18. But to the king of Judah which sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall ye say to him, thus says the Lord God of Israel, as touching the words which thou hast heard, because thine heart was tender, and thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord, when thou heardest what I spake against this place and against the inhabitants thereof, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and has rent thy clothes and wept before me. I also have heard thee, because God delights in mercy, and he loves a contrite heart and a broken spirit. Behold, therefore, I will gather thee unto your fathers, and thou shalt be gathered until into thy grave in peace, and thine eyes shall not see the evil I will bring upon this place. You can read the rest of it. It's a powerful, powerful story. 
powerful account. You see, that's an abstract. A snippet from God's whole experience. You know good and well everything that God would do. But a couple of things are there. The pattern is set. Number one, today we have to find who the holders are, male or female, that are going to spare our land. We've got to identify them. We're going to have to respect them. We're going to have to visit them and listen, and we're going to have to not go and try to justify ourselves. He did not say, my dad, it's, my, it's not my fault. I shouldn't have done it. He said, wait a minute, hold on. I'm going to have to clean this up with the God of the land because I'm the one principal contact, point of contact that he has. And I'm going to have to go and not soften. We're not going to paraphrase this thing. We're not going to soften it. Bless be God. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? We're not going to soften this. Our fathers were wrong. We were not there. We were still inside them. But as God says in Hebrews 7, even though you're still in the loins of your parent, the, the, the actions and the judgments, uh, the judgments and all of the effects and consequences chemicalize themselves in your soul, makes you responsible for the fix, for the reparation. You have to fix it. Because that's what he did. They tore down the house of God. You need to read the chapter before. They tore down the house of God. They ushered in false religion. They caused people to turn from their God. They okayed other devils and other gods taking over God's place. They did that because that's what they believed. Josiah wakes up, and he's born into it. He's born into their failure. But he has faith to be the repairer. So he's born into it. He's, as a matter of fact, the only reason he's alive is because he was hidden. They had to hide him because they knew he was the next heir, and they'd already handpicked who would perpetuate the dissolution and the desolation that was going on. So <clears throat> I told you this is an excerpt, and I'm going to write what it is. Let's say, I've used the word continuum. Let's look at what the continuum looks like. God has a continuum. He has case files. He has speaking to you. This is it. So God has the endemic case where it all began. He has all of his judgment and the judges, and he has the Balaam case because Balaam ends up being the prototype, the archetype, if you will, of wicked prophetics. He has case files. Here's something that you'll like. These are the Edina case files, the garden, the law, five prophecies. I talked about those, I don't know, a couple of Sundays ago. Serpent and God, and, and prophecy. How are you going to be a prophet and you don't know God's cases? How are you going to represent? You can be a prophesier and know nothing because the donkey didn't know anything. Not to mention the donkey came, like, before the law. Balaam is before the law. All of these are before the law. So this is the prophecy case file. You can't train prophets if you don't train them in God's cases, God's history, God's issues. How are you going to train a prophet? What are they going to say? They're going to say what the gods that are ruling the land are going to tell them to say. Right. 
And then we have, let's go back. So this is what it all looks like. All of this, there's a whole life that God lived before this time. There's a whole world that God lived before the 21st century, before the 18th century, before the 9th century, before the 5th century. This is what Jesus Christ brought to the planet in his body. And so much more. He told you what he brought. Luke 24:44. Does anybody remember it? Come on, chief. Does anybody remember what he said? What is he what did he say? She said I don't she said, I, I love it. I, 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 don't, I, I, I don't want to pass. He said, this is that which was written concerning me, that was written in the what? The law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And the Psalm is a royal prophet. It's a monarchical prophet. So we have the, the legislative and the the uh, the governmental prophets or prophecies, and then we have the royal ones, the sovereignty. See, those are the Psalms speak to the sovereign prophetics of God because of David. So you can talk all day long about, well, you, you know, who's to say? Jesus canonized his own Bible. He canonized it himself. And he canonized it because he was getting ready to die, rise from the dead, and then by, by the Holy Ghost go back, pour his blood out on the altar of God. When we talk about pour blood, I'm not talking about that red corpuscle stuff we're talking about. I'm talking about that, that sovereign light, energy, power that he poured out. Think about the, just think about all those images of, of liquid gold, liquid energy being poured out. That's what he took back. All right? And it didn't say he took it back in a bowl. But that's our assumption. I'm sure he might have had a bowl. But he could have just as easily vomited out, spit it out. That's just me. He didn't say it. I'm saying it. So, but the thing that I want you to get is that God canonized his own scriptures. And then by virtue of the 12 apostles, he canonized the, the gospel. And by virtue of the, the baptism of the Holy Ghost on Pentecost, he canonized the, the epistles. We've already saw from your list of definitions that canon and law are synonyms. For you to walk around as a pastor, teach unteaching what this man bled for, is abominable. It's abominable. Jesus himself said, I did not come to do what? Matthew 5? Uh, let's all say it at one time. He said, I did not come to do what? What else did he, what comes after that? No, or the prophet. See, that's how much Satan stopped God's kickoff, because God starts everything with the prophet. He said, I did not come to destroy the law or the prophets, but to fulfill them. Is this helping you guys forward with this truth? 
I did not come to the, see, they even quoted wrong. They cut the prophets out of most of the quotations. Those paraphrased ones are likely, not all of them, but are likely to do it. Yet Josiah could not kickstart his, his revival, his restoration, or his renovation until he heard from the prophet that God still kept in power in the land. No doubt that prophet is how he was prophesied into position. So what is it that the, that the pastoral-led church doesn't want? Prophets. Why? Because prophets are going to lock you into an eternal truth that they cannot live with or live up to. So we'll just keep lowering the bar. And how do you lower the bar? You lower it down to the fourth member of the fivefold. Did I say it? Did any good comments? Are they still laid out? They flatlining? Excellent. Excellent. So when you think about what a prophet should know, to do what a holder, a holder did, because we like to say God ain't God don't use no woman. That's the person who's not read the Bible. I'm telling you right now, and you can actually tell them to their face, oh, because you didn't read the Bible. <laughs> because we got Deborah, we've got JL, we've got Miriam, we've got Holder, we've got the two women. Uh, Yordia and Sutake in the New Testament. We've got the two elect ladies and that and Priscilla. Now you talk about Priscilla. God mentions people who work for him, so that we can remember what's what's keeping that continuum string linked together. And I got I'm, I got a couple of minutes, so I just want to address this because it's important. But I got a wonderful. Um, half Bible reading woman who told me that there's no such thing as, you know, we back to that. No, it's no such thing as a chief prophet. Where's that in the Bible? So I, I thought the woman wanted truth. I didn't know that she just wanted to be noisy. Take it to First Corinthians and Second, where it said chief fifth. I said, we don't just have chief prophets. We have chief fifth. We got chief and then chief fifth. And where's this whole thing coming from? So she goes and she writes me back to teach me. Now, you probably get 13 seconds. I know you don't read your Bible because you couldn't be, be influenced by the truth that I sent you. So clearly, writes me back her pastor's sermon. Paul was, now has nothing to do with definition, has nothing to do with explanation. It was 100% sermonizing what she heard because, you know, they don't let her preach in a church. So she's got to preach on the social media. In the, in the <laughs> Thank you. And, they don't, <laughs> so she writes, and God wasn't talking about that. God was not dealing with, Paul was not talking about, uh, he was not putting anybody in office. And I mean, the things, and I thought to myself, I didn't even answer. I said, if you're that stupid, you know, the Bible said if, they are, if, if they're ignorant, let them stay ignorant. So God says it. He said if they want to be, let them stay ignorant. Now, you're sitting here doing what for God? You're in this little niche called social media post. That's your niche, social media post. That is your platform. That is your office. That's your pulpit. On my page, telling me about whatever. Now, why am I saying that? Because that's, that's the kind of ignorance and that is the kind of discredit that God can do without. 
If you're going to debate, know your facts, do stuff right. Paul did not have to uh, make, he said, well, Paul wasn't making anybody apostles. or to, He didn't have to, and he did make apostles. Go to school. Do your homework. Read, read something. Go beyond your pastor's sermon. I'm so sick of Pastor Cliff Notes being thrown as, as, as scripture authority. I don't know what to do. I'm tired. Of, I'm disgusted with Pastor Cliff Notes. And you probably went to church once in a whole month. You go to church. And I'm, I'm saying this because I want you, when you're hearing this stuff come back at you, start investigating these people. So do you have a ministry? Well, no, I'm waiting for God to write. So do you have, did you go to school to learn about? No, no, no. But I mean, the Holy Ghost, he taught me. So, so, so start investigating these people because you will keep believing and perpetuating error and heresy, and you don't mean to. You're going to have to challenge your friends. When they start bringing, well, this is what God told me. Where is it in the Word? Because that's what, that's what God is here. Where is it in the Word? Where is it spoken? Every time I tell you something, I tell you where the Scripture is. And did you notice? I don't have to flip every time I use it. Okay? I don't have to go page hunting. Because I have anonymized it. I have cellulated this. I am the cells of God's word, just like Jesus was. Jesus said, I came not to destroy the law of the prophets because I'm the author of the law, and I'm also the creator and maker of the prophets. So I'm not going to destroy myself because you don't understand. Is this okay to say? <laughs> you know, <laughs> maybe we need to show them some of our worksheets next time. We might get need to put them in, um, on the thing so we can show it to them. They won't. They still won't do it. This is true because error, error has two modes, two gears: sorry and penitent, or haughty. Obstinate and arrogant. And when people, when you can't learn, that's one thing social media has done is made the, the unteachable multiply, the unlearnable multiply. You're not even unlearned. You're unlearnable. <laughs> Just in case I missed one. My, my, my reason for bringing that up is that you all need to stop going against folks you don't know their background. And half of these people, you're believing them, and I've got a whole website to tell you what I do. Not to mention dozens and dozens of books and manuals and other leaders like that. Now, they may not say anything because they feel like they're, well, I'm just going to leave them alone. But the problem is you're still roaming around like an unpleasant fragrance in the body of Christ. And these people are inhaling this. So, yeah, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it because if it only helps two people get straight, I rejoice over you two people who get straight. But make sure you know it. We had somebody sent us. How, how long was that list, Chief? Do you remember? For Chief, how many times? Huh? But, uh, but oh, you made it, and then James did another one. Yeah, he sent it to me. Okay. So, but just give me the number. Over 30 
maybe 40 times the word chief is used in Scripture. And chiefest, the same thing. Don't tell people what's not in the Bible if you've not read it. No, you. she preached a sermon. That was some pa- I know that was her pastor's sermon. And, and maybe her pastor would be too ashamed to know that she preached it like that. But don't do that. And I wrote it. I said it is, I mean, it is tragic to see how many people attempt to interpret scriptures they've never read. I did. It's on my page. Did you find it? Does anybody know? How many times? So, because you need to know what you're talking about. Time is out for us to equate ignorance and spirituality as synonyms. Time is out. Well, speaking of time being out, I had fun. Did you all have fun? Yeah. Yeah. Ah. If you look there, I created this this top for Bible to let you know all of the things that you should know about Scripture before you decide that you're an authority. We've got cases, we've got situations, incidents, events, causes. What else do we have over here? Consequences. We got faith canon. See, we got all of that law decrees. All of that's in this book. So for you to walk around as if you so you got going on because you go to church once a week, you almost make midweek service, and then you tip in church late on Sundays because you were tired and whatever, and then you're leaving because you got to go to work or shop or play. So do not come against people who do this for a lift. You don't know what you're talking about, and the only thing you end up doing is immortalizing your ignorance and naivety. Yes. All right, well, I'm excited about this. I had a great time, and I'm looking forward to it, uh, to what we're doing and how we're making it happen. Did you all enjoy yourself? Yes. Yes. Make sure you listen to this again and again and again. Share it. Share, share. Share, share, share. Share, share. I think I should share this. I do. Also, so see. Because I'm giving you information and language, articulation, because sometimes it's not a matter of language as much as it's articulation. I'm giving you language and articulation that you can use when you go and sit with your friends or when somebody writes you or posts on you for you something ludicrous like that. Uh, yeah, I'm, I do. I, I, I call it. And then people go, no, so interesting. You know why I say it also? Because then all my viewers go and find it. So then they all see who it is. Yeah. Because I want you to restrain error. Implode heresy. Kill doctrines of devils. And crush seducing spirits. You do that, we the people of God will be all right. So see, uh, I'm sure Rachel has it on the screen. I will see you next time on the Jesus and Paula show. Join us Sunday at the embassy, home of the congregation of the mighty, where God stands because, well, we let him stand. And on top of it all, I hope I made you think differently because that's the only way you'll live powerfully. God bless you. I said you.